Tim, episode 21 of Sats of Matter podcast, it's here, and we can finally celebrate with the pod on what's in my cup. Legally, the pod can enjoy. Really looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to recap week three of the NFL. We're going to preview week four. And on this week of what's in my cup, it's an IPA from Hyde Park, Vermont, and an IPA from Brooklyn, New York. BK, what's going on? You guys know that you can find Stats No Matter wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Apple, Google, and on Spotify. Of course, you know you can find us at Stats Podcast on Twitter and at Stats No Matter on Instagram. And of course, you can find Tim and I on all of your local social medias as well. Please continue to give us those comments, the likes, the reviews. Share it. Tell all your friends about it. We really appreciate it. Now, let's get into the show. Tim, start us off. Texans and Steelers, what happened? Uh, I thought the Steelers were poised to do pretty well against the team still kind of trying to find its identity, and that's exactly what happened. The, the Texans looked a little better and with a, a slightly another decent outing from watson but once again here they come up short uh he had 19 of 27 264 yards in the air with two two touchdowns but he also had an inception which seems to be following him throughout the season and he was under pressure a lot he got sacked like a lot a lot uh i think five times give or take their entire defense i mean sorry their entire offense kind of struggled a little bit too the entire team combined only rushed for 29 yards total and that is just not 20 29 29 29 oh usually my. there's a one in front of that for at least a oh, player oh, oh, oh. but this is 29 as a whole and that's just not going to do it in fact uh on the other side of the ball uh, Connor outrushed the entire team solo, uh, both. And if you combine both on the ground and in the air, he had 149 yards total uh, and a touchdown. But Big Ben, I know we were kind of poo-pooing on him a little bit at the beginning of the season. Had another. We? Who is this? Uh, okay. We? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of poo-pooed on him a little bit. Another solid outing, 23 for 36, 237 yards and two passing touchdowns. It brings them 3-0 for the first time since 2010. They're looking a lot better than what I thought they were going to going into the season. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to quite change my tune yet on their prospective outlook going you know, into week 10 through week 16. But right now, they look great. Like I said before, I like when they're doing well in that division because it makes the division obviously a little bit more interesting. It makes the path through the playoffs for whatever team on that side is going that way um so you know i find myself rooting for them more than i did uh week one but still a little reserved but hold it out again ah all right moving on Bengals, eagles look it's a pair of zero and two squads they were similar in pass yards per game rush yards per game uh carson wentz had a worse completion rate than joe burrows and we said that uh look the lsu tigers they were in a lamborghini and joe burrows now is in a Corvette, and he needed to kind of get it out on the road, test it, and guess what didn't happen? That didn't happen. They didn't let the Tiger King roar a single bit. And <laughs> when Joe Burrow was like, listen, I can drive a standard transmission, the Bengals were like, nah, fam, deal with this automatic. How do you get a tie between these two teams? I don't understand that, but that's exactly what happened. The Eagles and the Bengals tied here. And to be honest, I thought when the game went to overtime, I was like, oh, my God. We're going to do it. We're, we're going to get a Bengals win. I'm going to take this bad juju off the team. Let's go. And then it didn't happen. No. I, I thought what was most shocking just is the fact that 
the Eagles decided to, to punt the to, to punt the ball back. Like they were just like, nah, we're good with the tie. I'm most disappointed in the nah. fact that the Bengals have completed as many fourth downs as they've gone for, and that we just didn't see more of it. I, I really thought in overtime, like you, the momentum was clearly swinging back your way, and I I just don't know like what happened there. But oh my goodness, like we have our first tie of the season. Yeah, it so, uh the the Eagles look real real bad real like, bad. real bad um sorry fans i know you guys thought you were going into the season with a healthy uh, a healthy roster but not today fam as they say yeah not today 49 giants yeah, speaking of not being there and in not being <laughs> their time uh i thought for sure this was going to be the giants chance to squeak out a win and maybe move some momentum uh no no Definitely not. Uh, against a team who was down 11 of their starters and lost another one on Sunday, this was just bad. The Giants are so bad. So bad. Uh, Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback for the Niners, he put up 343 yards. 343 yards. Meanwhile, the starter on the other side of the ball, A1 Daniel Jones, Went 17 for 32 for a 179 yards and gave up one interception and a fumble. Wow. Going, it's not all, it's not all bad news though, because uh, Daniel Jones does lead the league in at least one stat. Uh, their games with multiple turnovers, 10 games, <laughs> 10 games. He has since the start of last season, he has coughed up the ball on more than one occasion. Man. Um, but both sides of the ball looked equally terrible for New York. They couldn't put any drives together. They couldn't stop anyone. And I don't even think San Francisco punted once the entire game. The entire game, not one punt. And I, I, I said at the start, I thought it was going to be their week. I now have zero hope for the Giants for the remainder of this season. This is just some terrible, terrible football. I don't know if they're in tank mode or if... Daniel Jones just isn't living up to the hype if he's not going to develop into that player, but I have no faith for the Giants anymore. That was as close that one should have been handed to you and you let it back up just smoke your team. If you've ever watched any of like the 49ers like games in the past few years though, like and Seattle fans know this, Nick Mullins has come in and, and done a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of people think that Nick Mullins should have been the starter over Jimmy J. So that, that's not necessarily surprising to me to see him light up a really bad team. Um, yeah. Welcome back to Vonta Freeman. Would you have like five, five yards? <laughs> yeah. Deion yeah. Lewis, one carry. So, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. Raiders Patriots. Look, I, I said that the Raiders showed up big time, bigly in prime time for their home opener, the Death Star. And then now that they're facing the Patriots, like, sorry, fam, like Cam is going to dab Wakanda forever all over the squad. And uh, so I wasn't really right about that. Cam didn't do all the running. Rex Burkett did 300 touchdowns, 200 plus yards. You know what I mean? Like Darren Waller, did someone put that guy in a milk carton? Because he was this, he, he was not on the field all game. No one yeah. could find him. Um, Bill, I could just picture him like tackling on the side of the field. Uh, and, you know, we popped in and out of the game and it's just sort of like, wow, Waller's not going to get anything today and no other Raiders gonna step up and do something yep. you, you know and, and that game was pretty much gone yeah early on so that uh I mean 35 24 pages was not the final score but pages definitely pulled it out yep 
Titans Vikings and the tour continues. What tour is that? Uh, the Tannehill Redemption Tour. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't buy tickets. I thought, I thought it'd be sold out. Yeah, man. Uh, I said going into the season, I thought he was going to hold his own and kind of find his groove. And he seems to be doing that each week. He seems to find ways to put teams together. Uh, sorry, I put wins together. Uh, we also, I, I, I don't know about we, I said last week, I thought this might be the week where Derek Henry sort of finds his footing again and returns to sort of the tail end of season form that we saw last year. And he got closer, 100 plus yards, two touchdowns. Tannehill was 320 yards. And Gostowski redeeming himself with a total of six field goals after the terrible game we saw uh, two weeks ago. Um, not all bad news. The Vikings definitely put up a little bit of a fight. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson combined for 350 yards between the, the two of them. The rookie, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. He had, like, what, like, three targets and, like, 170 plus. Like, there's, like, a Randy Moss, like, side of, like, I don't think yeah. that was the exact stat line, but he was getting over all day. One, one was, like, 180 one 180-plus. The other one, I think, was, like, 179. Uh, I think the Vikings are a team that looks like they're in a position to make some interesting games and, and put some wins together this season. Um, as long as they continue to sort of improve on what they have, obviously their rookies are starting to kind of find their own way as well. I think if they can continue down that path, they're going to make, uh, make some waves in that division, which is good. Yeah. I think they're going to need to, to keep up with the, uh, with the pack football team versus the Browns. It was the battle of one of ones. We thought that, you know, Baker likes to give turnovers like Mike Pastries, and uh, that was not the case in this game. Um, Dwayne Haskins gave a trio of interceptions. Two touchdowns. Justin Gibson ran a couple. If, if you, not Justin Gibson, Antonio Gibson, excuse me. If you're someone who's a fan of football and not of the Washington football team, you probably didn't have Antonio Gibson on your radar going into it unless your name was Nate and you drafted him in fantasy. Nate, if Nate, Nate, listening to the podcast, <laughs> Nate, the only one who I know who was like who was able to like sneakily get Antonio Gibson from me, and I was like, oh, I got him in other leagues. That guy is a good pickup. He's gonna get some touchdowns. Look at what you see here now. The Washington Football Team is able to put some games together, but they're not able to close out. And while head coach Ron Rivera has said, you know, look, he's not saying Dwayne Haskins is not the unquestionable starter. Um, look, <laughs> you're finally tied for the the lead in the NFC East at uh, one and two. I don't think you're going to get too many more opportunities like that, especially once Dallas refines its footing. So, is it Alex Smith time? I don't know. I think it might be. Rams. Bills. I said last week I thought the Bills were gonna squeak this one out, and you laughed and I did. I did. you you doubted, and I nailed it. Thought they'd squeak. But I was watching that game, thinking the entire time, like every time I got a vibrate notification on my phone <laughs> for like fantasy, I was like, "Please don't be Tim. Please don't be Tim." <laughs> I thought they'd squeak by, and that is exactly what happened. Uh, and they improved to three and zero, which. Also goes back to the Bills fans thinking that this was probably their season. Brady's out of the picture. And then here you go. You got Cam and those annoying Patriots sticking around, still making moves, putting up numbers, and doing well against competitive teams. Um, Allen, monster game again, 24-33 with 311 yards. 
four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. He did have a pick and a fumble, but overall it was a pretty good performance against one of the better defenses uh, he's faced so far. Goff out doing golf things, true to golf form, added two more touchdowns onto his 2020 resume. And he carried one himself, but ultimately the Bills pulling it out. Uh, I'm hoping this might be sort of a momentum shift, kind of gets them in the right direction again. Right. I like beating dead horses on the show. I like when the divisions the, the Patriots are playing in are more competitive than you don't have this uh, weak division, that conversation. Bills beating the Rams. The Rams have one of the better defensive teams in the entire league. I think this kind of sets them up as part of the conversation for at least being a decent team, if not a good team. I'm leaning more good than decent right now. If they can string a couple more of these together. We've been saying week four, week five is when you really start to know what team's going to be made of. Now that COVID's rearing its ugly head, that's going to change things up a little bit. That might put a little damper on the uh, Tannehill tour as they can't practice until Saturday. But um, I think the Bills, they can keep this going, kind of keep their head down and grind them out. I think I think they have a pretty decent squad in front of them, and I think they'll put up some pretty surprising wins. I think this is the first of a couple we'll probably see. Nice. Do you know who wasn't offended about the uh... – pass interference in the end zone who, every single new orleans saints fan all these rams <laughs> fans are like ah pass interference like psych get out of here yeah. with that there was a couple yeah. missed calls earlier and i think you have seen that you know the refs they're not terrible okay they, they get grades every game they're trying to make it to the postseason you know earn bonuses and everything like they made the right call just ugh. i don't want to hear no crying from rams fans about it a pass interference call none zippo uh moving on bears falcons Look, I said the Falcons are going to have to win this game or people are probably going to publicly call for Quinn's removal. And guess what? They found a way to cough up yet another double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, this time to the Chicago Bears, whom were not quarterbacked by Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, the quarterback controversy is over. OVA is done. Trubisky's time in Chicago is probably kaputz. Uh, whether it's time in the league, I mean, that that's more to be seen, but the Falcons are in trouble, man. I don't think there's any way you can you can describe how they are just continuing to just let these leads evaporate. You feel so bad for Matty Ice. Like, how many points does this guy have to put up every week when his defense just coughs up these huge leads? Um, I will say one last thing about this game. Nick Foles, we know he has the stones to do a lot of things, okay? Trick play in the Super Bowl when he was with the Eagles. Um, the guy has been around the game for a minute. He sat in there on that game-winning touchdown pass to Anthony Miller, a 28-yard strike. He told him in the huddle, run to the L, the ball will be there. And he delivered it as he got crushed by a Falcons defender, and it went right into Miller's hands. And that was it. If There are quarterbacks that stand in the pocket and go, oh, I'm about to get smothered. Cool. Can, can my guy make the catch? And there are people who go, oh, here comes the pressure. Let me throw it just a little bit. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is ever going to be able to make a throw where he hops into – you know, a lineup and he just goes, hey, just run to the logo. I'll hit you. No, no. And I, I think Matt Nagy tried to convince us long enough. Look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Guess what? It The show's over. Yeah, I, I had to uh, turn the game away for like 10 minutes and I came back and they were marching down the field and winning the game. And I was like, wow. Trubisky, and then I saw as he turned to celebrate, I saw Foles on the back of the jersey. What, what, holy shit! What mm -hmm. what did I just miss? And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he's already been named the starter for next week. So 
and he should be the starter going forward. I don't care if that guy throws three interceptions in a game. Yeah. You gotta I, I hope that guy lands on a team that really backs him and lets him take that starting position. I know he had a chance with the Eagles, it didn't quite pan out. Uh he had an up and down uh, he had the MVP season and then he went on and had an up and down season the following one. But hopefully the guy can find his his own setting and his own groove and just sort of buckle it out. Indeed. Chargers Panthers. Uh this was a miss for me. I thought the Panthers would reel a little bit with McCaffrey going out, but uh Panthers putting together. Um uh, they handed Matt Rule his first win as a head coach, uh, which snaps a very long losing streak. Uh Teddy Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater had a solid outing, mostly in the air, not a lot on the ground. <clears throat> Same idea as earlier. The entire team combined for less than 100 yards, but he was super accurate. He's 22 of 28, 235 yards, uh, dishing out 45 plus yards to 40 uh, to 40 to four different receivers. Um, but Herbert was a little bit of a mixed bag. Put up a lot of numbers: 35 of 49, 330 yards. But he did have an interception and he fumbled twice he lost oh, one yeah. of those fumbles yeah but keenan allen was a star on the receiving side he had 132 yards and that guy austin eckler we have eckler wasn't too season. bad either but allen did have a fumble so when your team is just constantly giving the ball over obviously that's not going to fare well if you were trying to put up points um as a whole the ball was turned over four or the ball was put on the ground four different times they lost three of those Gotta be frustrating when your QB's in there. He's putting up numbers. He's making drives downfield, and you cannot give the ball, or you cannot keep the ball in your possession. You just give it back to the team. You're asking to lose. Um, I feel like the score maybe should have been a little bit more skewed. Panthers way, if you're gonna cough the ball up that many times, um, but they get those. Uh, they get those in check. I think the Chargers are still in a place to continue having success going into the regular season um if they held on to the ball let's say two of those four turnovers we're having a different conversation the chargers squeak this one out um but if you're gonna cough it up they're not the only team that did that this week and it seemed like everyone had a case of the dropsies um or just throwing it to the wrong team uh if they can buckle that up or sorry button it up a little bit i think i think they'll be fine maybe halfway through the season clean that up a little bit we're talking about them again in in week 13, week 14. Right on. Uh, the Colts are good again. Um, listen, I thought the Jets would at least try and come out and do something respectable. And they did. They, they gave my defense two pick six touchdowns. So uh, shout out to me for starting the indie defense. Uh, Rivers, now he's like six player league history to throw 400 career touchdown passes. Like guy was out there slinging it. The team is what I thought they were going to be coming into this season. The defense is going to get him some takeaways. They're going to ground and pound. Rivers is going to give up a couple, but he's going to strike when it counts. This is the kind of Colts football I think that the fans wanted to see. Um, and if you're the Jets, you 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 really just want to go ahead and just forget this game happened. Let's just, I mean, you come in, you watch the film, and you say, cool, let's go ahead and flush this, and let's never talk about this day again. Yeah, have you seen the post-game memes of Sam Darnold looking like he's just on the verge of tears? I feel bad for the guy, uh, but man, 
New York, New York football right now, save for the Bills, is in a really, really tough spot. It's bad. Real bad. Uh, speaking of bad, the Cowboys' defense is very, very bad, especially when you look at the comparison between their defense and their offense. Their offense is so explosive, and they're putting up such gaudy numbers. You would hope that the defense could do more to keep them in the league or in games. I feel like we're looking at uh, the Falcons 2.0 team right now. Dak went out, put 150 points up over Wilson, but they gave the ball up a ton. Wilson was just a lot more accurate in what he was doing. Dak put up 472 yards. He had three touchdowns, but he gave up two interceptions. And he coughed the ball up once. If you're going up against a team like Seattle, that's just not going to cut the mustard. Wilson had 315 yards in the air and zero turnovers, but the man had five touchdowns, so he was capitalizing a lot of those turnovers that were coming up. There's no chance that if you go up against a team like Seattle, if you go up against the Chiefs, you go up against the Ravens, even maybe the Pats at this point, there's no way you're not going to pay for those constant turnovers especially when you look on the other side and see how bad your defense is and the ability uh, and the fact that they're not going to stop anybody from being able to do anything. I mean, Wilson's obviously having one of the best careers, uh, the best seasons he has had in his career. And this just sort of echoes that MVP conversation that people are having this season. Um, both Metcalf and Lockett put up big numbers this week. Um, the game was close. And if Dallas doesn't cough the ball up maybe two of those four times it might be a different conversation we're having right now but you can't say what ifs it's you you gave the ball up you can't do that to someone like wilson because he's going to immediately make you pay for it if the cowboys could find a way to give their defense a little bit of love have them stop a few touchdown drives a few scoring drives at any point in the game we're having a very different conversation about the cowboys but the the fact is that they can't i mean the fact that they went up against seattle they turned over the ball that many times and it was still you know technically a a, a one score game um it goes to show that they can do things on the offensive side but you, if if you're giving the ball up your defense has to make stops if your defense can't make stops, you got to protect the ball. Otherwise, we're going to have the same conversation every single week, and it's going to be exactly like the Falcons. At the end of this, you're going to look back at both of them and say, holy shit, what do the quarterbacks have? The quarterbacks can't play both sides of the ball. Help your guy out. They're having stellar years. as far like If you look at, at both Dak and Matt Ryan right now, and you look at their 2020 stats, they're phenomenal. They look amazing, minus the turnovers here, obviously. But the yardage they're putting up, the touchdowns they're scoring, they look great. And then you look at the record of the team, and unfortunately it soils a lot of that, even though they have nothing to do with losing a lot of these games. So It's it's the worst. Bet you wish your uh... – oh, hold on. To, to, to quote a musical act from the late 2000s, don't you wish your quarterback was MVP like me? <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Listen, Bucks Bronx. I said, oh, yes, the, the return of Tom to the Mile High City. This is a Gronk touchdown game, please, for all the betters out there. Uh, Blake Bortles was signed to hopefully receive relieve Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, and uh, the Bucks are going to get it right in this game. And they did, besides wearing the ugliest pewter copper mustard yellow uniforms I've ever seen in my life. I don't ever want to see those like again. 
just a clear indication of what you see in pictures on social media and expectation in real life do not match up. Okay. Um, Mike Evans, three targets, two catches, two touchdowns. <laughs> like, what? Okay. Um, I think that what we're seeing here is probably, again, like with the Colts, you have a couple weeks, you come out the gate, you stumble a little bit, but then you sort of start to get rolling. And I think as Tom finds, you know, more chemistry with that team, the longer he's there, just it doesn't matter. He's on a tier contract. Just every week that goes in and out, he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the offensive coordinator already came out and said, we're going to get Gronkowski the ball. Just wait. Right. So it's happening. Whether it's this week, next week, it, the Bucs are going to continue to start rolling right along. And to be honest, in the NFC South, look, look, the Falcons are falling. The Panthers aren't exactly world beaters and the Saints look vulnerable. Did Tom leave from one division to win, to go to another division and win? Because that is some goat shit right there if I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's each week he finds a new weapon on the other side or on the offensive side to make moves. Gronkowski in his terrible acting came out in a press conference when asked about, you know, the lack of touches and said, no, I'm a blocking back now. I'm blocking tight end. That's my role. And then obviously he goes out that game and he gets more targets that game than he has the entire season and puts up more yardage than he has. So I, I think you're right. Each week is going to be sort of feeling out, you know, a different member of that receiving core tying in some of the running backs and, you know, some different looks. It's going to be really hard to game plan against that for the first few weeks until he gets comfortable. He doesn't have Edelman. Gronk hasn't really materialized into that get out of jail free card. Um, Melvin Gordon's sort of molding into that. Like we are like, we thought he was going to, um, but you're right. I think each week that goes on, that team's going to get scarier and scarier. Whew. Uh, Lions cards. I did not see this one coming. Me neither. <laughs> not once. Uh, but that's because I never saw Kyler throwing three interceptions in a single game either. Uh, that happens to tie his single game turnovers, both college and professional starts. So if you saw that coming, you should probably take your skills to Vegas because I don't think anybody did. And if you're going to turn the ball over that many times, I don't care how good of a team or bad of a team you're turning it over to, you're going to have a hard time pulling out a win. Um, Stafford looked decent, added two touchdowns. Um, but with as many turnovers as you had, you thought you might be able to turn that into more scoring opportunities. You have to capitalize on every chance that you get if your team is struggling that much. And despite the win, despite him doing well, the game winning drive, all that sort of stuff, you got to capitalize more on those turnovers. So even though it was a win at the end of it, there are still some things that you need to improve on. Some of those drives weren't the prettiest drives. And I know in football, they don't all have to be pretty drives, but if they're not pretty and they result in punts, then obviously that's, that's not going to work. But what I'm hoping is that this gives them a little bit of momentum. You come off of a game winning drive, you go into the next week, snap the losing streak, which was the longest active losing streak in the NFL. You hope that this is sort of the turning point. You hope that this makes a little bit of a difference with Stafford not turning everything over. He literally threw zero interceptions this round. 
Galladay made his debut and scored a touchdown. He led the league last year in his position for touchdowns. All the things are pointing in the right direction for Patricia and the gang. And you hope that this kind of turns things around. You know, Patricia's probably on a short leash, if not this year, because it's the weird year. Depending on how this year turns out, going into next season, if he's not on a short leash now, he'll be on a, a short leash next season. But they can string a couple of these together. Maybe it buys him a little bit more time. Stafford, I think, is a decent quarterback. Um, you hope they kind of turn around. Hopefully, hopefully this is the, the jump off for that to happen. For sure. Moving on to Sunday Night Football. Look, we said go, Pat, go until further notice. And I think we have to come to the grips now that, like, whatever Matt LaFleur was doing that didn't look like it was going to click here is now clicking. Um, you, you go out and you put up an absurd amount of points the first couple of weeks, and then you just – really just take it to the saints. You, you take them to the woodshed. And even though the game looked like it was going to be close, the ability for Rogers to just continue to pass against the blitz, like it doesn't even, doesn't even bother him. And the, the fact that the saints only got one sack on him and that they got that sack when there was a free blitzer. So they were not able to generate pressure at a rate that there was needed to be sustained. Now think about it. The saints, they decided to give Taysom Hill an extension. And then, before the Jadevian Clowney sweepstakes was all over, there was this talk about maybe the Titans sign him, but then they trade him for a salary cap dump to the Saints. I would have done that deal now. <laughs> I think we yeah. all looked at it like it was crazy, but like the inability of the Saints defense, which has Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis, to not get pressure on quarterbacks is just it's not it's not the not the, the situation you want to see. Look, it, it was almost as if the Packers said Alvin Kamara is not going to beat us by himself, so let him just beat us up. And that's exactly what happened. If you face him in fantasy, I hope you had a big enough lead like I did because, oh, my goodness, that guy was doing everything for that team. He is that team's MVP right now. And it's mm -hmm. just like, holy crap. Like, you have to you have to, you have to do something, right? You're, you're three games in, going to, to you know, your fourth game. If Michael Thomas isn't back and this is what you're going to look like, go find a witch doctor in downtown and get all that bad mojo to purge right out. Like, you don't have a choice. Like, the rest of your division is going to catch you and pass you, and you're not going to be able to come back or hope that you have to go down the stretch and win game after game after game after game to either win the division or maybe even get a, a postseason spot. And that would be an epic collapse for a Saints team that's just too stacked. Got my ass kicked thanks to a one Alvin Kamara, and he beat me by all of his points. So <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks. Thank you for that. I lost by about 46 points or something. And I think last time I checked, that's almost exactly all the points that he scored. So pretty much uh, Chiefs Ravens did not live up to what we thought it was going to be as far as the matchup goes. Um, wasn't a bad game by any means. It was a it was a it was a decent game but you thought it would be closer at the end. I didn't see the Ravens losing by two touchdowns. I thought if one side or the other won, which this could have gone either way, it would have been by maybe a field goal or a touchdown. Not quite as uh, close as I thought it was. Mahomes moves to 3-0 against Lamar Jackson, uh, also on the season, but Lamar after the game said that the Chiefs were their kryptonite, and it's true. Uh, both guys had decent outings, but Mahomes is just a machine right now. I still think, in my opinion, Lamar might be the better quarterback. It's hard to go team versus team and compare one player on either team. Um, 
mom's or i'm sorry his mother doesn't want us calling him by anything other than patrick his first name now so patrick uh is the one he's out there just steamrolling teams and it's up to your defense to make that stop but uh i think it goes to show the quality of those two teams the fact that they were able to hold uh the ravens to was it 20 points um yep it it shows that not only do they have what it takes on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side as well. I know, you know, two weeks ago or last week, it was a little bit of a closer game against a team that shouldn't have been in the same ballpark. So maybe that one was just a fluke to come off of that game and then to come out and hold Baltimore to only 20 points when that's the same guys who are running up 30, 40 spots and everybody. Uh, I think it spoke a lot for the the Chiefs. And I think going forward, the Chiefs are going to continue to to decimate teams. I mean, who else on their schedule is going to put up as close of a competition? They're going into the Patriots in the next week. Uh, stellar defense. They always tend to play the Patriots tough. We saw that in the, the last postseason. We saw that last season in general. So that could be another one. But after that, I, I can't see anybody on the radar who might put up any sort of fight more so than, than Baltimore did. Um, so you think in fifteen and one? Uh, man, they'll they'll find a couple ways to to lose a few later on in the season. Teams will kind of figure it out a little bit. I mean, they almost lost to the to the Chargers. So any, any given team, Sunday, right? Any any team at some point can try and put up a good opportunity to at least keep themselves in the game. Um, but I do think it's going to be difficult. I think in those games, there's going to have to be some sort of fluke, like a you know Mahomes turnover or something, something sort of spectacular that has to come into play to to keep teams in a competitive position. I think it's them in Seattle sort of on a crash course to see who'll have the best record in the league. So we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, stop fawning over. Over Russ cooking over here, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Look, we we go, we go from that game, which is a good game, a lot of hype. Met didn't meet the over under, but you know whatever. No, I think it just it barely met the over under. I think the over under was fifty four, and fifty four total points is what was scored. So push, not that, not that that usually happens. But yeah. move on to week four now. Thursday night football. It is the snooze fest, ladies and gentlemen. It is the New York Jets versus Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos will be starting their third quarterback and the Jets will be trying to win their first game. Um, you have to feel that there's an immense amount of pressure sitting at 0-3 with virtually no hope of reaching the postseason in your division now that the Bills are surging, the Patriots are staying stacked, and the Dolphins are trying to find a groove here. Um, the Jets have been thoroughly outclassed in their first three games. That's the nicest thing I can say, okay? They've scored less points every time they played. 17-13-7. The Jets are not going to jet in this one, though, because I think that Adam Gates has to start playing for his job, which I would assume if it's not now, then you just, you can just go ahead and make a make <laughs> a quarter change coaching because uh, Aaron. Oh, I mean, Sam Darnold is going to get his first W of the season because <laughs> he's going to have to pull it out. Sorry to my yeah. dad and all the Broncos fans out there, but this is not your week, not on your third or fourth string quarterback. No way. No way. Hmm. Ravens and the football team. Uh, for me, it's going to be Ravens every week until we see otherwise. Um, they're the favorite going into every single week. So 
they're not the team to put up back-to-back losses. They haven't done that uh, in like the last two seasons. I don't expect that to change, especially going up against Washington. Um, they're fourth in the league in scoring, third in points allowed. Washington might make this interesting in the first half, maybe, um, but the Ravens are just too much to overcome unless you're putting up you know, a Chiefs-style defensive scheme against them. I don't imagine this is going to go well for them. Uh, I think Lamar is going to come out, try and put up a little bit of a statement piece, and I think this one could get uh, a little aggressive. As long as as long as long there's no sort of loss hangover, uh, they don't try to overthink what happens. He just went up against you know, a, a, an MVP quarterback and, an all, and a stellar team. I think this one should be an easy win for him. Trying to get it back on track. I got the Steelers-Titans. It's a battle of the 3-0 teams that, if you asked us before the season started, most would probably not have believed that they'd both be 3-0. Um, someone in this podcast definitely think that Big Ben would be here. I'm not going to say who that is. But, uh, look, the Steelers got their big juju back, okay? It's almost as if James Conner is related to Sarah, and the Steelers are here to save us from the Terminators that exist in the Ravens and the Chiefs. Do you see what I did there? That was bad. <laughs> it's called, it's called that funny. Was- that was that was bad. Oh, that okay, bad. whatever. That Sorry. better that better not get edited out either. <laughs> Look, the the Steelers games are very fun to watch. Okay, I don't like the comparisons between the Watt brothers. They're they're, they're all different beasts. They're they're just they're they're unbelievable football players. So we don't need to, we don't need to compare them. We just need to accept that like really good high powered cars. They all look kind of similar. They all go really fast. They all have different types of handling. That's the Watt brothers. They're they're all really good football players. Um, here's where things get interesting. The Titans had three players and five staff members test positive for COVID-19. So this game might not even be played because as you pointed out earlier, the practice facility in Tennessee is closed until Saturday. So we're going to get our first look to see if the NFL's COVID-19 protocol is, you know, going to follow once an outbreak occurs like this, the game could potentially move from Sunday to Monday or to week seven. And the Steelers week seven game against the Ravens will go to week eight when they both have their bye. So, if the game is played, the Steelers are going to win. I know, lay shock. Ugh. But think about it. A.J. Brown is not suited up in weeks. He's got a bone bruise. Derrick Henry is that offense. And while Gostowski did make a lot of kicks last week, he's also missed quite a few. Is that really the recipe you want to get into a team that has a good kicker, a good defense, and a good running ground tack? No, you're going to lose that game 23-21. That's what's going to happen. Steelers are going to win. I got Chargers, Buccaneers. I think Brady, as we talked about it, you know, at the end of the first segment, I think they're really starting to put it together. They're finding some groups. He's finding a way to capitalize on the different players he has uh, on the offensive side. Uh, actually, I think I messed up Goodwin's name and I called him something else. But um, going into this game, Goodwin is questionable. He's kind of been his security blanket going into it, but you see him starting to. You see him starting to divvy it up to other players on the field. Gronk's getting a little bit more involved. Um, I think the Chargers might put up uh, an okay game. I think this one will probably be a little closer than we expect unless Brady comes out firing at multiple targets. It's really hard to game plan against what they're doing right now because each week it seems to be someone else that they sort of specialize on or someone else that they focus on. But 
Tampa's won the last two outings together. I know the teams look very different than they have been, but Los Angeles isn't exactly on a scoring streak. They rank in the bottom quarter of the league in scoring. The Buccaneers, you know, while not blowing teams out of the water, they're at least middle of the pack when it comes to that. Um, however, the Chargers are fourth in the league in points allowed. So if the Buccaneers are going to put points up, they're going to have to work for them. I think this probably has a chance at being a pretty low-scoring game. Um, I do think it's, you know, really difficult to bet against Tom Brady no matter what team he's on. And if he goes out and utilizes another weapon and Goodwin does make that start, uh, I think it'll probably be one of those games that comes down to maybe a touchdown or less, but I do think it'll be the, the Bucks taking this one. All right. I got... The Seahawks versus the Dolphins. Look, the last time these two teams met, week one of 2016, pretty sure no one remembers. But <laughs> Seattle won that game 12 to 10, except for me. And Adam Kinsu stepped on Russell Wilson's ankle. Um, Seattle needed a lot of late game magic. And the Miami Herald writes that even though Seattle's defense, which looks good on paper, is, out, is allowing an average of 28.7 points per game. Okay which is exactly only one touchdown more than Miami's 21.7 points per game allowed, okay? So clearly, now that Miami had some stuff going after their win against the Jags, you gotta, you got to believe there's got to be some confidence coming up. Here's what I don't like about this game. Seattle is needing to rely continually on Russell to absolutely bail them out. In the fourth mm -hmm. quarter, cool, we're used to it. In the third quarter, doesn't matter. They went up two scores last week on Dallas, and they gave it right back. DK Metcalf led that touchdown. He got cocky. It got punched right out of his hands. You can't be doing that. You need to go and put this game away in the third quarter. If you want to let him come back and score 10 points in the fourth, cool. But you better be up 45 to 28. Because if not, this looks like a 28 to 21 Seattle win. It's a, it's a win. You don't get me wrong. But the defense at this point, maybe some injuries coming in. It's not necessarily where you want to be. Vikings Texans. Um, I think the Texans are on a unfortunate downslide. Uh, Deshaun Watson's, you know, another guy who's seemingly doing well on on his side, but the defense is just not doing what they need to do. Um, Minnesota has taken the last four of these matchups uh, pretty decidedly. I know, you know, it's tough to look back on some of those, but. You know, you got a lot of game plan, a lot of film to look at, go back on those. Minnesota is almost dead last in points allowed this season. So if you come out and Deshaun does have a decent game, they do have an opportunity to maybe put up some numbers. But the Vikings are looking pretty good offensively in the last two starts. Uh, Houston in general, despite how well Deshaun's looked, in you know the last start that he went out on, they're still ranked 28th. So you kind of got a bad offense going up against a bad defense. Uh, I think this one's going to be another one in the L column for Houston. I think the Vikings are just going to have a little bit more uh, on the offensive side to kind of you know capitalize on on you know at least at least score a few more points than Houston. I think it'll be an ugly game. Um, Hopefully I'm wrong. I want Deshaun to 
figure it out. He signed that big contract. Everyone had a lot of expectations for him going into the season. I know it's not all on him, um, but you got to put together a couple more, you know, scoring drives. And I think while this could be a week to do it, um, unfortunately, statistics lean a little bit more in the Vikings' favor. And if everyone plays to their stat level, it's the advantages on the Vikings side. They just score more points per game than Houston does, and Houston gives up quite a bit of points. So I think this one's going to be on the Vikings side, unless, you know, this week they buckle down and really make some changes. They're going to have to, because if they, if they don't start making up ground on the pack, it's, the division's going to be over pretty soon. Yep. All right, Saints-Lions, I got them. They're up next. Uh, the Saints are not good now. This is weird for me to say. Um, the Lions have proven in limited spurts they can put up points and stop the other team from putting points on them, right? It's obvious that Matty P is playing for his job now. Um, so you wonder if you're going to get to see some of that WizKid stuff that you should have been seeing all along. Is one game enough for the Lions to get some momentum going? Sorry, Matt. Spoiler alert. I don't think so. I think this game is probably, again, separated by a field goal. I do like the Saints to sort of, like – course correct it's been three games there's going to make adjustments um but i just don't think that necessarily what the lions have right now for firepower it's not it's not it's it's, it's comically not close to what the saints have and even though the saints are missing their top pass catcher and michael thomas you know he may be coming back from a high ankle sprain they said he practiced this past week but he just didn't go in the game I, was that hyperbole did you think you didn't need him because it was proven on sunday night football you needed him so if he's going to get a chance to play i don't like the way that that looks for the lions so Sorry, Saints going to pull us out and go 500. Browns, Cowboys, uh, it's an interesting one. The Browns seem to be on an upswing, and the Cowboys seem to be sort of holding steady in this weird sort of no-man's land. Um, you would like to think that the Browns are going to continue to kind of capitalize on what they're doing right now, but the quarterbacks aren't even in the same realm. Dak has put up almost 500 more yards this season than Baker has, but they both have the same amount of touchdowns, which is very strange to say. Um, really? Yeah, they both have, they're both their team leaders, obviously, because they're both quarterbacks, but they both got five touchdowns, which is a strange, strange thing to say because it either speaks for midfield's efficiency, which uh, that's not the case. Or Dak is just not taking enough opportunities to capitalize on some of the big games that he's put up. Um, I mean, who am I kidding? I don't think the Browns are going to take this one out. I think Dak just puts up too many points on teams. And I think even if their defense plays poorly, they're just going to go out and throw the ball all over the Browns. I think this might be a good game for Cooper. Zeke is probably going to rack up. I'd say 100-plus points and maybe tack on a couple touchdowns. I think this one ends up being two touchdowns by the Cowboys, if Ooh, not three. I mean, that, would, that would be a good get-right game. Yeah, I think this is the week they sort of set the ship right. I mean, they came out and they played incredibly well against the Seahawks. Okay, incredibly well might be an overstatement. They had a bunch of one turnovers. One side played incredibly well against the Seahawks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one side did not. Yeah, they they had a competitive game minus the turnovers. I think if they can kind of get those in check, the defense needs to buckle down a little bit more. But 
you are buckling down against the Mayfield, OBJ, and the Browns, which might not be that tall of a task. Although we don't know the 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 Browns are looking better as the weeks go on, but they're not playing great teams. Dak has the ability to put up a lot of points and a lot of yardage on great teams, so. I do think this one has a chance to get a little ugly. The Browns slide a little bit back more towards what they were at the start of the season. Um, I, I honestly think the Cowboys take this by at least two touchdowns. My bold prediction Ooh. of the week. Woo! Put the stones on them. All right, all right. Uh, I got Jags, Bengals. Listen, I've been saying it for a couple weeks now, and I'm not, I'm not jinxing them. The Bengals are not bad, and I'm going to say it again. The Bengals are not bad. All right. The Bengals have converted eight or nine field goal attempts, but they only have six touchdowns this season. When you add that in, I'm going to continue to bring this stat up. It doesn't matter to anyone because if it did, they would fix this. But if you are five for five on fourth down conversions, then you need to start going for it in game situations where you can win. Like last week when the Eagles just said, nah, fam, we're good. We're, we're going to stop here. Um, at 0-2-1, what more do you have to lose? You don't. And you, you need to score points. And you need to not just set off the field goals because that is not going to fly against the Ravens and the Steelers. And look, Bengals fans, I'm going to do you a solid. Since hashtag let Russ cook is finally trending, then why don't we all just do our part with the Stats of Matter podcast, the podcast of the people, get on social media, and hashtag let Joey roar, okay? Because Zach Taylor seems to be allergic to drawing up plays that actually keep defenses honest against this team and a ton of passing attempts this season, and a full 200 yards less than their opponents to show for it, means that nobody is afraid of whatever it is that Burroughs is calling right now. But you know who was afraid? Every team that LSU played last year. You mean to tell me that all of a sudden he gets to this league and the talent evaporates? I don't think so. No way. A.J. Green seems to be allergic to catching passes. So I, I just cannot deal with it anymore. I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to go with the mustache here. And I hope this inverse curse turns into an L <laughs> that becomes a W for the Bengals. And that's also, all I'm just, say about that. just to, to shout out uh, Dan Dupuy, uh, who thought that we were hating on the mustache. Uh, I actually don't mind Minshew. I think he has some ability that if fostered correctly, he could find some success as a sort of middle of the pack to to high-end, middle-of-the-pack type guy. I think he could be sort of an Eli Manning caliber QB where on paper Eli wasn't as elite as what some of his record shows because I know two touchdowns, two Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. <laughs> uh, but statistically, he wasn't amazing. He wasn't a, a, a standout. He was, uh, you know, We'll say bottom tier of the top tier quarterback, or bottom of the list of the top tier quarterbacks, or the top of the list of the mediocre, depending on how you want to look at it. I think, I think Gardner could be there. Uh, I think he's he's. I think he might find some of the same success as Fitzpatrick, maybe a little bit more. Um, but we don't hate the guy. I, I don't. I know Sam might have a different opinion, but um, I, mean, I, I got find a beard, myself. So I feel like I, you know, just just based off that alone, I can't be. Yeah, I mean, I find myself rooting for the guy. I think uh, he's one of those that has enough of a personality. would like to see him do well. Um, he has sort of the big personality like a Mayfield does, but with less commercials and less attitude. Um, so, 
can't help but you know root for the guy like everybody else when he comes out you know playing the the son of the dad from napoleon dynamite how can you go wrong oh boy here we go <laughs> uh i have colts bears and this is a very interesting one that if you had looked at this last week you thought Okay, this potentially could be a new uh, a snooze fest. It's one of those games that kind of reeks of old school football. You always root for it. Thanksgiving time, those are one of the teams that you always wanted to see because it is old school football, Bears, Colts. Uh, and then they had these weird quarterbacks, and they had these weird little in-between seasons. And now you got Phillip Rivers, who seems to be throwing the ball all over the place, doing well against the guy who's getting sort of his third chance at a starting role who just came off uh, a, a game-winning drive to help seal a win for a team that was kind of slipping a little bit. Um, it's tough to say. I don't know if it's going to take a game or two for Fultz to kind of find his footing and kind of get into the, the, the swing of things with Robinson and Montgomery. Those guys have been drastically underutilized this season. Um, they've between the two of them have less than a combined 400 yards so far this season, and they have one touchdown between the two of them. So that's got to change. That's got to change if you're hoping to make any sort of impact going into the season. I mean, on the Colts side, you have Ali Cox and Taylor, who are their team leaders, but between those two, they've only got three touchdowns. So this is kind of uh, I think it'll end up being a battle of attrition here where you have both teams who are putting up yardage both in the air and on the ground, but they, they don't seem to be capitalizing in touchdowns at the end of these longer drives. I think Foles is going to come in a little bit motivated. Um, we seem to go back and forth with the Colts. Are they good this season? Are, are, are they good now? Are they not good now? I think this is a turning point for the Bears. Uh, I think this one's a toss-up. I'm gonna go Bears just because you got a little bit of a change in scenery. All with, right, with Foles, uh, they have some momentum going into this week. So, yeah, I, I think just by default, I'm going Bears. But I think this one could be a toss-up between either one of them. Nice. I got Cardinals Panthers. Look, like I said earlier, the Cardinals got stumped by Matt Patricia, who's obviously trying to save his job. And Matt Patricia is a rocket scientist, so I expect that he's able to scheme up some things we've never seen before or we can't understand. Here's what is about to happen this week, though. The Panthers are about to feel a, a very, very solid thrashing from a very, very angry flock of Arizona Cardinals. Kyle Murray's four to five touchdown interception ratio this year is really bolstered by the fact that three of them came last game. That's not going to happen again. Carolina's defense, six sacks on the season. Their 2020 opponents, four more sacks than them through three games. That does not seem like a good recipe for success. And is the inability to kill drives going to mean a Kyler resurgence this week? I think it's very possible. But let's go over something surprising. Yes, the Panthers don't have Christian McCaffrey right now. They've gotten 25 more first downs by passing rather than running. A whole bunch of dump off, average depth of target, five yards or less from Teddy Bridgewater. Mike Davis doing admirable. But their current game flow is suggesting that they're going to continue to do what they're doing which is trying to dink and dunk their way down the field and against a team like the Cardinals. That is not a recipe for success. So I don't think this is the, the Carolina Panthers week. And for all of you who are chasing Mike Davis points, you might get the volume, but I don't think iron's going to strike twice. 
Uh, Giants, Rams. I'm going to save you all two minutes and just say Rams. <laughs> no, no newfound love for the Giants? Come on now. You got nothing to say. Uh, yeah, no, to say. no. They're, they're ranked 31st in scoring. Obviously, uh, they love giving the ball over a lot. Um, yeah, no. Cup, Henderson, Goff. They're all going to go off. Uh, going to be another ugly game. I won't... I will say maybe not as ugly. No, it'll, it'll be ugly. Yeah, <laughs> this no, would no, be no. like that game where, like, if you had an older brother and you stole his like video games or or his his basketball shoes or whatever, and he, and he yeah. finds out it was you and you lied to him, and just comes home with his friends and just like gangs up on you. Like that's probably what this game is going to be like. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be pretty. Um, I would say if you have the Giants' defense, I don't know why you would. Although the defense isn't terrible, they're ranked middle of the pack, seventeenth in points allowed. So. These games are very lopsided, but that's what happens when you just can't score touchdowns. The other team has the ball for the entire game. Um, yeah, it's not, not even it's not not worth the breakdown. Right on. All right, uh, I got Bills Raiders. Look, obviously the Bills shocked a lot of people, except named Timothy Patrick Cronin. Woo! My goodness. Um, let's let's just talk about what it is. They put up 25 points quickly on the Rams, but then they watched that 25-point lead evaporate, and then they had to come back in the end. Good for them. Good for them. You definitely want to see that, that the team is progressing and that it has the ability to win those games in the moments when it matters. That being said, the Raiders don't have enough firepower right now to go up that big on them. So if they want a chance in this game, Las Vegas needs to keep it close. They need to let Allen score, and they need to find a way to score just as quickly. Um, if they do that, maybe they can win by a field goal. But other than that, I think that the Bills are going to grind this out and they're going to go 4-0 in the season because you just have a team that is in fifth gear right now, and if you're not able to even like catch up to them, you're just going to get driven all over. Let's see if Tim Kronstradamus can keep this gravy train rolling this week. <laughs> uh, I got Patriots-Chiefs. What, um, what a boring game. Let me save you two minutes, Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I do think... <laughs> I I do think so. This is a tough one, and if I'm checking all my fandom at the side, it's easy to say it's going to be the Chiefs. They average thirty points per game, and the New England defense only tends to allow twenty games, uh, twenty points per game. So this one on paper is a little bit closer than what you would expect. There's only a few spots that separate their rankings, both in scoring and points allowed per game. Um, we're at least better than the Chargers. So I think New England has a little bit of a chance. I think this one tends to play a little bit closer than what we're expecting. The New England Defense is, in my opinion, overachieving for what we expected in this season. When you saw all those guys who opted out, you saw the guys who were out for injuries, you saw all of these guys that, you know, you couldn't pick out of a lineup, you kind of easily started writing them off. You started easily writing them off, but what has happened is it's kind of been the opposite of that. They've been holding their own. They've been keeping teams somewhat close. So I do think New England has a chance to kind of surprise everyone and pull this one out. Belichick has schemed well against him 
Uh, we know, you know, given some of the receiving core and the running backs last week, we have guys that he just plugged in from the practice squad who came in and, you know, put up 40, 50 yards. So you can never underestimate Bill. Um, my gut keeps telling me I think this one actually gets pulled out by New England, but Ooh. I think I, I think – I'm going to get accused of fandom because of that. But I think if we look at last season, obviously we don't have Tom Brady, but Tom Brady wasn't playing in his peak last time they matched up. So some of that goes to the Belichick game planning. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go late game winning drive. Patriots. All right. All right. Are you a little mad so. that this is not the Sunday night game? Because um, I am. I, and I, I have the Sunday night game to re, you know, to preview next. So I'm just saying, I, I, I you know, the way the cards fell, I, I, I really would have loved getting that one to, to predict. But yeah, I mean, I honestly think that they should have. I until further notice, I don't know why Kansas City isn't every Sunday night. Well, I get it because they they probably wouldn't want that on their schedule anyway. But um, they should be primetime football every single week. They're the returning champions. They're steamrolling teams. They just held the Ravens to. 20 points that's you know unreal so uh yeah i mean it i feel like it should be a sunday night game i think it's a little disrespectful to not have <laughs> the pats in a prime time or to have the the chiefs in a prime time game or if i mean it's just a weird scheduling time i get it they're they're accommodating the kansas fans instead of a you know a normal one o'clock game but uh I'll, I mean, I'll I'll take half of my Sunday to do some chores before I have to sit down and and tie up the rest <laughs> of the day with football. But yeah, I know it's I know a lot of people aren't going to agree. I'm gonna lean. I I, I think it's going to be a close one, but this might be the first sort of statement win by New England. I don't mean statement like they're going to just blow them up, but they're going to come in. They're going to play competitively against a really difficult team. Uh, and I think like Cam's been looking great in some of his two minute. He wants this like this. This is a game yeah. he really wants to go ahead and step out, right? Like, it, if you can say, like, look, you had a chance against Seattle, but yep. th there was there was a turnover, there was some other stuff going on, but that dude put up 400-some-odd all-purpose yards. This this is the game that Cam has circled. He's like, all right, 86 days, no one signed me. This is where I begin to make you believe in the comeback. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, Edelman was almost absent from last week's game. Like, he, he didn't hear from him all that often. Um if this is one where they get him back in the groove, I mean, he, he's got 259 yards on the season and like three quarters of that came in one game. So if you get him worked back in, you don't necessarily know. I mean, everyone has to cover him because it's Julian Edelman. You, you tend to try and double team him, but um, they were having success with what was his name? Zuper. Uh, one of the guys they brought up from the practice squad last week. Um, it's, it's, it's not like a cakewalk for Kansas city either. So, this could be this could be one that we end up talking about at the end of the season when we're like, oh, that was the turn for the Patriots. They were doing well. That was the point where it was like, oh shit, the Patriots are a team that are part. They're always part of the discussion, quote unquote. But this is a team who we start talking about having some legitimate postseason success. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, I got which, the Sunday which night real, football. Which real quick, the last thing I'll say about that would make this a very very scary outlook because if they do as well as they do if, if they squeak this out and then make a run in the postseason 
And then next season, you have all those veterans returning in the defensive side, coming back from COVID. You go back to the vintage or last season's defensive core. That's it's a scary prospect. Oh, but remember how you were here for the losing season and tank for Trevor? Like, I, I knew this I was going to happen. I never said tank for Trevor. Uh, Trevor, I'm not in that boat. I'm still hoping to like kick out some of the bandwagon fans and if they have a losing season but it's, oh it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult not to get caught in the, the prospect and the hype it is talk i will admit a, talk to a therapist about looking in the mirror narcissist oh my no, god it's it's, it's it's very let's, difficult to avoid it so, let's move yeah. on let's move on listen <laughs> sunday night football okay listen linda listen sunday night football is gonna be the eagles first win against the niners <laughs> psych look the eagles have chemistry issues that's what it is at this point. And when it comes down to it, the 49ers simply have too much chemistry to let the Eagles get in their way. Hashtag Nick Mullins, okay? A guy that can just come in and just sling the ball over at will. Oh, you have 11 starters out? Nah, no big deal. Next guy up. Whatever Shanahan is doing with that team is very Belichickian, okay? Mm. And that is not good, okay? Because as, as a Seattle fan, I want to see the other teams in the division suffer a little bit. And now that uh, San Francisco is just continuing to eke out some wins, with backups on their team. I don't want to see that. I want to see a team collapse a little bit. So that's not good. But look, they got to give me here. It's on Sunday Night Football. Kittle projected to be back in the lineup, okay? Now, I kind of wonder what approach they're going to do. Do they want to ease him in or they want to open the floodgates? Eagles defense is giving up an average of 10.7 fantasy points per game to the tight end. And if you wonder how many fantasy points per game the San Francisco defense is giving to tight ends, I'll give you a hint. It's between 0 and 2. It is 1.0. They are just – they're snuffing out tight ends. But I don't, I don't have a choice. i got to start Zach Ertz this week. So, like, praying, praying for yards at this point. But the Eagles have got to figure some stuff out. Uh, and I don't know if this is a team that's not really going to get correct until they're by, but there's so much drama between, like, maybe the quarterback, like, you know, drama scenario, like, trying to come through, like, guys, don't focus on it. Go out there, put a respectable effort up. And if by some – freak of nature accident you get to the fourth quarter and you're within striking distance of the 49ers you had better pull every fourth quarter trick play out of your book to at least show your fans and your team that you believe in them and you have the effort to go forward because if not i i think this season could possibly be like uh two and 14 three and 13 for the eagles like th this would be a very slippery slope if you don't come out against a very red hot and respectable team and you don't attempt to at least punch them in the mouth i got the monday night game which under normal pretense would be a good prospective game we got packers falcons this one's tough because if you remove what we've seen so far and you just look at it on paper it seems like it's closer than what it is. In fact, Matt Ryan has put up more yards so far this year than Aaron Rodgers has, and there's only two touchdowns separating the two of them. Um, the problem is those two guys aren't the guys th that play both sides. They only control one side of the ball, and they're both very good at doing that. The problem is the defensive on both sides is lacking. The difference is... Aaron Rodgers and his offense, they are first in the league in scoring, so they just, no matter what, put up that many, that much more points than the teams they're playing against. They average 40 points per game. Uh, that doesn't bode well for a team who ranks 
dead last in points allowed. They're sixth in points per game, which is obviously, as we've talked about, why their numbers, why Matt Ryan's got to be frustrated because his numbers are stellar this season. Um, That first in the league matched up against the the last in the league. uh, It's a recipe for a disaster. Matt Ryan always keeps these games close because he does put up a lot of points. I think this is one that'll be another high-scoring game. Uh, I don't think the Falcons are going to figure this out anytime soon. That's a lot of ground to make up. You think um, they're going to go 0 4? I I mean the 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 Packers defense isn't exactly stellar. They rank 21st in the league, so obviously that's better than than last place. That's 11 spots better than last place for those keeping count. 11 but, 32 carry the one. Yep, okay. Yep. It checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you're going up against Aaron Rodgers who's putting up 40 points per game on average against a a team that can't stop anybody. They average 36 points a game that they cough up. So I think this is another one. It's going to be close, closer than what it's going to look like on paper because Matt Ryan's going to come out and throw the ball all over the place. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, Packers until we see otherwise and it's anybody playing against the Falcons until we see otherwise they just lack the ability to stop anybody do I think it's going to be another big come from behind loss like they have had so far no I don't think that's going to be the case I think this one will probably be a little bit more competitive throughout the entire game I just think Aaron and the Packers are going to come out uh on top maybe a 10 points I said I don't think it's going to be anything too aggressive um in fact i bet the packers go up early and the falcons come back a little bit and make it more interesting but i still think i still think the Packers are going to take it by at least 10 whoo wee all right that is the week four prediction which means we are at our favorite part of the episode what's in my cup all right we're at our favorite point in the episode What's in my cup? This week, it looks like we got another twofer with the IPAs. Uh, Tim, I am drinking an IPA from Ten Ben's Beer out of Hyde Park, Vermont. It's called Green Fountains in India Pale Ale. Um, I mean, I'm one of those guys that tends to believe that if an IPA comes from California, Vermont, Washington, Maine, New York, it's just probably going to be good, right? There's, there's probably going to be a greater preponderance of it being great than not. So I just go, yeah, all right, cool. It's from one of those states. Now, if you're, if you're an IPA from say like Missouri or like Oklahoma or I mean, Texas, I'll be like, all right, cool. But then there are like some lower tiers. I'm just like, listen, I don't know that I'm exactly just going to spring from an IPA from New Hampshire or Connecticut at this point in time. I need to see some more, you know, like some more body of work. And then you got some out there that are really, really good Michigan or whatever, but I'm really excited about this. Pod is 21. We 21 episodes in, Tim. Bravo. We we are doing it. And COVID, be damned, trying to get this thing going, but it's not happening thus far. So cheers, buddy. What is your thought? Oh. I knew when I cracked it and I smelled like the the danky hop. I was like, okay. I don't know if it like kind of clouded my judgment 
and just thought mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm already liking this, but yeah, this is good. Nice. It's it's not as sticky as I would expect it to be off of what it smelled like. So I'll give it a four. All right. Let's see what I'm drinking. Uh, some of you folks are going to be uh, extremely jealous about my humble little state here. Um, but much to my surprise, uh, I got an alert on an app for my local package store that says, hey, we got this specialty beer. Uh, limited drop, but we're going to start carrying them. I have in my hand a broccoli from Other Half. Other locally Half. Dist locally distributed to Connecticut. I love how uh, you're just bringing all the whales out of the podcast. You're like, oh, we're going to drink beers that are local to Connecticut. And then you're like, oh, it's local at Canada Package Store. Get out of here with that. <laughs> uh, it's Double Eye Dry Hop uh, Imperial IPA. Um, funny little story about it. I love the package store I got this from. I won't throw them under the bus. But when I was paying, uh, the woman says, broccoli. How would you make a beer with broccoli in it? And I had to tell her, okay, there's no real broccoli in it. It's just this gimmicky name. She goes, oh, because one of the guys who would normally recommend beers told her that, yeah, I picked up a little broccoli in it. So I think he just wasn't familiar with the naming scheme that other half goes with. They got all these crazy names in them. But this beer is up there with some of the better beers I've had. Uh, from what I can tell online, and let's give it a go just to uh, just to see. So, broccoli imperial IPA from other half, and I can already smell. I saved this one specifically for this podcast, and I can smell it already, and it smells fantastic. I did have Mosaic Daydream, which is another one of theirs already. That's a fantastic beer, yeah. That one's I, phenomenal. But I don't know what's more upsetting to me in this podcast: the fact that you just like you know, put my nose in the big steaming pile that was me thinking the Rams could possibly beat the Bills, or are you flexing with this, you know, this craft whales that you did? And you've been, you've been doing a lot of it. You, you slick. You think I'm not paying attention, but I'm paying attention. <laughs> well, uh, let's give this one a little taste because I'm just, I guess I'm not sure how other half is going to stack up, but. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, that's a good one. Uh, what you can't see is I'm wearing a Trillium Brewing. Sweatshirt. I got this for my birthday yesterday, um, along with a new Trillium glass. Uh, Trillium will still be for me up there with some of the better IPAs I've ever had. I was, they were local to me. I had them fresh out of the tap room. Um, they're a hot factory. They're one of those that all the labels are just a little different, but the beers taste very similar. But I will put them up there with the other half. So, hey, do you uh, have two tickets to um, the, the the hype train that, that that apparently you're catching to? Trillium Station, are we going to get an angry chair, uh, you know, vote of confidence? Stick with the subject material. Talk about. Well, I got to compare. I'm about to rate it, and I got to oh, come up with a comparison. Compare? You can't compare. Sure. Other half and Trillium, again, other half and Trillium, some of those big-name breweries, they're all like just fancy high-end sports cars. Oh, I drive a Ferrari. Or I drive a Lamborghini. I only yeah. drink Trillium. I only drink other half. They're both great. This one's it's it's smooth for an imperial at seven point nine percent. Um, for the the ABV plus the style, it's incredibly smooth. It tastes a lot like pineapple juice um, with a nice little bitter finish to let you know that you're actually drinking uh, a beer. I would give this one a four five. 
Wow. I was going to say like a 4.13 or something, but okay. 4.5. It's up there. It's up there. I already know what my five is, but I'm not going to throw it out there until I get one of them on the podcast. Objection. Leading the witness. You can't be doing that. I already, I already know what it is. I've, I've had it before, and I'm sorry if it becomes in my possession again, and I drink it on this podcast. It's gonna get a five again, but I won't tell you what it is until that day comes. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Other, well, other, than, I take... other than angry chair, simple math. I knew, I knew it was coming. <laughs> if you, if you have a stats, uh, matter podcast bingo card, that's it. You that's probably right. just got it. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to all the listeners, right? I'm not trying to jinx the Bengals fans. I'm telling you the Bengals are going to win a game. All right, it's going to happen. I also want to shout out to Craig, Craig D. Housewarming gift. I got a kegerator. He built a keg housing, okay? And I, I, I have a keg in my house, in, in our brand new house. And now, the if you looked at a graph of the amount of cans that I'm going to buy per month, it's going to go from an obscene number to a respectable number. And that number is four because that'll be – the only beers that I drink for what's in my cup, you know, segments. And and other than that, it'll be whatever I have on tap. This is a fantastic yet delicious dilemma that I found myself in. Because yes, I have cheers. to find a beer that I want to drink all the time. So I have to really think about it. I can't just be like, nah, I'll just get a keg of this. Because if I don't like it, I mean, that's 40 to 50 beers in a row that I'm not going to like. Dude, High Life. Get a, get a keg of High Life and then keep some specialty beers in the fridge for when you feel like having a good one. I'm slowly getting back into the Pilsner Lager. Just I've always got High Life in the fridge anyway, but now I'm leaning a little bit more towards that. I've been drinking IPAs and Stouts and Checks and all of that stuff for so long that every now and again, like two days ago, I opened a High Life. It was a long day. It was really cold out of the fridge. I hadn't stopped moving since like 8 that morning. It was 10 at night. I sat down and when I drank that thing, it was like the best beer I had ever had for that point. And I know High Life is obviously not the best beer I had, but there's a time and a place for those kind of beers. And right now I'm kind of working back into a little bit of that as being my front runners and these being a treat because that's what they are. I'm yeah. also, as of yesterday, I'm 37, so I can't quite shed some of these heavier <laughs> beers like I, I, I once I once uh. could. So, uh, But real quick, cheers, man, on moving into your new house. So Let me tell you what I'm you. never going to do again move by myself okay yeah it is such a pain and thanks shout out to austin and sam and julie and craig and my wife for all, all like helping me and shells move but like wow that sucks okay and I, I think i got spoiled because the army would allow me to move and they would take care of it or i could do it myself which i wouldn't do so i would just have people do it for me pack all my stuff up it would show up they'd unpack it that was a life. So I think from now on, I might go ahead and actually pay people because I'm finding all these mysterious bruises all over my forearms <laughs> and my biceps where I'm like trying to grab onto the boxes. And I'm just unbelievably exhausted. Like we moved on Saturday and I I just feel like I'm a zombie. Like three days later, like I just, this really like kind of took it out of me. Um, So I will definitely not be wanting to do that again, moving that is, or, you know, not paying someone for it. I mean, I'll help people. But yeah, helping someone move is a lot different than like, actually, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, I will I will be available to help. But my goodness, it, that moving thing takes a lot out of you. But it's good. Got a house now. I think I finally made it. Is that is that 
Yeah, I think I, I think that's what that is. On that fake checklist that you're given when you're young, uh, that's that's on there. But mm. many many of the people we have listening to this follow that same checklist. A lot of them don't. So you know, choose your own adventure. But in the immortal words of Aubrey Graham, started from Poland, Maine. Now I'm here. All right, <laughs> that's that's all you can really say about it. And with that, let's end the show. We'll talk to you guys yep. next week. Thank you.